Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your Minnesota Timberwolves are uh, on the road Friday night. They're play what, at Portland Saturday night at Utah. And what they start now is... I think they're at Portland tomorrow night. Portland, is it tomorrow night? I think it's tomorrow night, yeah. Uh, and and now they're gonna they're in the gauntlet. I mean, like the next eight or nine games, they play the Warriors, they play rough. the Rockets, they play Portland, they play Utah. Uh, trying to think who else they play in there. The Clippers. Uh, they basically play like eight or nine games in a row against teams above 500. And if they had Jimmy Butler, that wouldn't have concerned me because if you look at how the Wolves have done, and I, this was the case a few weeks ago, they they had the best record against the West of any team in the league mm-hmm. at some point. I don't know if that's still there. Uh, and... And the teams that are just behind them, the teams that they would play in the first round, they're like 16-2 and two against. When you put their record against Portland and against you know, all these teams, even even the Spurs, they're 1-1 one one against with Jimmy Butler. That that it really The season had pretty much set up to where the Wolves are going to have home court advantage in the first round. Uh, they, they would be favored to win a series against any team, including, in my mind, Oklahoma City, who the Wolves beat three out of four, although all games were close. Mm-hmm. That would be a fun series because those games were really good. Fun. Yep. Uh, and and they would be favored to win a series. And I would I actually would have expected them to win a series. And then they'd get handed, they'd get it handed to them by the Warriors or the Rockets. Or the Rockets, yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And by the way, the you know, uh, Clint Capella said that the Rockets are better than the Warriors. They just might be. I'm not ready I think to they say got it a yet, but I shot do too. To be Golden State, I, I do too. I really do. I, I I'm with you. I agree with you. So so I mean, the Warriors and, and Rockets are just in another planet, okay? And even if Tibbs had made every bright move in the offseason, I don't know that they ever could have competed with those guys. But now, you know, now everyone looks at this gauntlet and without Jimmy Butler, and they say, "Well, geez, we're hoping to make the playoffs," and they might. I had said that I didn't think they would. I still think they will, but I, I've kind of tipped on that. But but the chance of them holding the four spot. I think they're in the three spot now. They're basically tied with San Antonio. Yep. And you say, well, San Antonio doesn't have Kawhi Leonard. Guess what? San Antonio hasn't had Kawhi Leonard all year. He's played nine games. You know who San Antonio still has? Greg Popovich. Correct. <laughs> you look at their lineup and and that they have yeah. that they are twenty that they're going to finish fifty and thirty it will blow your mind. Okay. If Greg Popovich was coaching this, if he has that team going fifty and thirty, what would he have this Wolves team doing? Right. You. I'm talking the Wolves with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Way more talent. Than what than what uh, that when than what the Spurs have without Kawhi Leonard. Yes, it's not even close. It, it, the, the Wolves, the, the Spurs team with Kawhi Leonard should not be a playoff team. They shouldn't be, and they're going to probably finish third in the West. It, it blows my mind. It mm-hmm. really, it really, really does. It shows you he is the Bill Belichick, you know, of the NBA. Or maybe Bill Belichick is the Greg Popovich of the NFL. I don't know, but 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 the Wolves, even if they make the playoffs now, chances are they're going to slip. And if they get lower than the fifth, if they get even into the, if they get into the seventh hole, then you're playing the Rockets or the Warriors in the first round, yep. and it's going to be playoffs, but it's not going to be very fun. Uh, 
Watching the Wolves play the Rockets has not been fun this year. I'm sorry. It's, it is a terrible matchup. It, it, it's, it is a terrible matchup for them. It, well, I think the Rockets are a terrible matchup probably to every team with the exception of, of the, the Warriors. Warriors. <laughs> right. about, yeah. And they beat the Warriors two out of three. But but here's what I've seen the two games that the Wolves have played post-Jimmy Butler. And by the way, I don't care what it says. Jimmy Butler ain't playing this year, folks. I, I don't see that happening. I mean, I just don't. And 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 even if he does, it's not going to be till the playoffs. And given no Jimmy Butler, unless the Wolves really surprise me, the Wolves are going to be playing the Warriors and the Rockets. Be, in the it first would be very tough. Like, say they make the playoffs and he comes back for the playoffs. He's going to have to, by that point, they've played 20-some games without, without him. him. And so he'd have to sort of work his way back into into game shape and into team shape with getting getting the chemistry back with the rest of the And I'll, I'll tell you what I've seen in the two games without Jimmy Butler that I've liked. There have been things I've liked. And granted, the Wolves are playing two lousy teams. Uh, although they had lost earlier in the season to the Bulls. Uh, they beat Sacramento for the third time this year, and really none of them have been close. Sacramento is so rotten. They, they're terrible. They're and so now, the, the <laughs> one guy that really could hurt the Wolves, which is Zebo, they don't even play him anymore. Right. Because right? they're, they're tanking. Okay? And so they're awful. Okay? And, uh, and the Wolves beat them pretty easily. But what I'm seeing in the Wolves is I'm seeing two things. And, and this is, I think, a knock on Jimmy Butler. As great as Jimmy Butler has been for this team this year, and he is, and, I, and I'm so sorry that he's hurt and I wished he was playing, but to me, his constant ball hogging mm-hmm. has hurt the development of Wiggins. It has hurt this team, especially late in close games. We haven't seen him in a close game with, since since, uh, since he's been hurt. The two games were not close. Although you would never know that by how Tibbs continues to play the starters almost every minute of the fourth quarter. But I get that he's nervous about it. And he's playing these two games. And with the gauntlet coming up, you you better win at Sacramento and you better beat the Bulls at home. Yeah. Okay? So I get that. But I've seen a flow on offense. And two players that are playing way differently with Butler not being there are, are Teague, who has played with pace. I, I can't believe what I've seen. Jeff T gets the ball, and he's running up the floor and mm-hmm. getting them in their offense, and there's been a flow to the offense that has been wonderful to watch. Yep. That they haven't had that, that one of the reasons why why everyone's been tooting Tyus Jones's horn is because Tyus Jones comes in and plays with pace, mm-hmm. right? But part of that is Tyus Jones oftentimes is playing without Jimmy Butler. And I'm wondering if their their lack of pace has been to somehow accommodate Butler. I don't know. But 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 Teague has played with pace and has looked like a completely different player. And and here's the, the point. Teague at, at times this year shot really well, and like any other good shooter, other games he hasn't shot well. But even when Teague had games where he was shooting well, he was driving me crazy because he'd come up slow, they'd grind the clock, and and, and I, I realized— And he'd the, be holding the ball the yes, entire possession. Yep. And the last game when they beat Sacramento, I didn't even realize that, that Teague shot poorly in that game. I'm going, Teague is playing great because he mm-hmm. was getting him into their offense. He was taking good shots. I didn't even – I really watch basketball by are you taking good shots because Teague is a good shooter. And you if know he's what? taking good shots, I don't care if he – I mean, I want him to make it, but I know he's a solid shooter, and if he's taking good shots, I'll never complain. And and you know what? The crazy thing is when they signed him, my reasoning for them signing him was that he had a better ability. He was more of a threat to score off the ball yes. than Ricky Rubio was. And my my thinking was that okay, you've got Jimmy Butler and you've got Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague can play off the ball a little bit, but when he gets the, from most of the start of the season, when he was basically dribbling the air out of the ball until there was five seconds left on the shot clock, I'm like, this is not what I was. This was not what I wanted to see out of Jeff Teague. And now, like you said, these it. last couple of games, now we're seeing now they're a playing bit bad more. teams. 
But, yeah. but And the other thing I've seen is Britt Robson wrote a piece about Wiggy. And look, I've given up on ever hoping that we... I love people saying, well, now he's got to contribute rebounding. Well, he hasn't rebounded in 400 games. I, I don't know why people think he's going to do it now or in, th- or in 300 games. Okay? But there's there's two things. There's one thing he's really good at. He's really good at. And all the advanced numbers show it. For those of you that hate advanced numbers, he is really good at going to the rim. Mm-hmm. I mean, his shooting percentage around the rim is amongst the best in the league. And he, and he, and he used to be really high at getting to the free throw line. Now, this year he's not making them, but still, getting to the free throw line. And what he's done since Jimmy Butler's been out is he's going to the rim. Yeah. And the only other shots he's taking are open threes. And that's all he should do. Mm-hmm. Th- those those off-the-dribble long twos, he hasn't taken very many. If he just goes to the rim and takes open threes and makes some free throws, he can help this team. And I've seen that for the last two games. That's and I hope he move, continues to do that. That spin move he does in the lane is almost unguardable. And he makes it, a high percentage. He it. Yes, he's he a does. good finisher around the rim, and if he, but he needs to. that needs to be what he does because he's so good at it. And I think that because Jimmy was hogging the ball and Jimmy— that that he almost seemed reluctant to do it, and now he's mm-hmm. that's the and, and that's on Tibbs that even with Jimmy playing, Wiggins, you got to say Andrew, go to the rim, you do that. Just let's start with yeah. that. Let's start building your game from scratch. When Butler comes, let's back, start with that. When Butler comes back, it is imperative that Tibbs figures out how those two guys are going to play. And there's no reason they he shouldn't be able to, to figure that there's, out. There's there's yes. plenty of shots for both of them because Wiggins is taking 18 shots a game. It's just they're crappy shots. They're terrible shots. Get him right. going to the rim with just take his crappy shots and turn them to good shots, and he's going to become an effective scorer. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, we're going to have uh, Kenny uh, with the traffic, and then we're going to talk a little twins uh, when we come back. I was all tangled up in here. I had to get untangled. Before. I was wondering if you were all I was not having a, con, uh, a convulsion. I was just tied up uh, on, my, on my cord. But, you know, the Twins, all I say is this. People in sports, and in baseball particularly, they, they put too much stock on the prior year. Huh? This is now two years in a row we saw that on the Twins, right? <laughs> two, three, this is the third year. Two years ago. Oh, they're not going to be any good. And then they had that great run. You know, they started hot. Or no, they started terrible. They started terribly, but then had the run, and they they were in in the race. And that really good month of May. That, yeah, yeah, and they were in the race until the last weekend of the year. And they were everyone like was twenty and six in May yes, or something like and that. And everybody yeah. was so ex- surprised by that, right? And oh, the Twins, and then coming to going into the next year, which would have been 2016, everyone said. Wow, this team is ready to take the next step, and then they went fifty nine and one hundred three. Oh, they, oh, they took a step, all right. Yeah, and <laughs> and then going into last year, everybody said, "Well, you know, maybe they can win seventy games." Even though you know some of the what Pakoda is that the one had them at like seventy nine wins. Yeah, and then they went eighty five games, and and now everybody is assuming, especially given the fact that they've had a you know I was going through the the free agency tracker, okay. And the Twins signed two guys in the top 15. Did you realize that? Morrison was ranked on this on the one tracker I looked at, like 15th. Mm-hmm. And who's the pitcher they got? The, the Adam uh, Reed? Uh, uh, Addison Reed. Addison reliever, Reed was yeah. like 13th. Mm-hmm. So they hired, they, they signed two of the top 15 free agents in baseball. Okay? Plus a bunch of other guys uh, to add some some depth to their pitching staff, which, which you know, Everyone laughed when they when they signed Annabelle Sanchez, and maybe that's a joke. But I'm going look at some of the pitchers the Twins had to bring up last year. Yeah, you know, if you've got a spot start Annabelle Sanchez, that's preferable to some of the guys they 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 trotted out there last year, right? They shouldn't even been in the major leagues. And you were able to trade away a shortstop prospect because you had some depth in your system. You were able to get give away a guy 
uh, for Jake Odorizzi, who has a chance to be a pretty good pitcher and, for you. But there's always this perception that there that the, that that the team is going to be that they won 85 games last year. You add all these guys, you didn't really lose anybody of any consequence. Boy, you're going to be better this year. That is not always the case. And what people have to remember about last year is, and it was it was both sides of the coin. So maybe at the end it was about even, but the first half of the year, Polanco and Buxton couldn't have been much worse. Terrible. And the last half of the year, they couldn't have been much better. I mean, these guys went from two of the worst offensive players at their positions to two of the best. I mean, that, that is that's mind-blowing, right? It isn't like they just started hitting. So the first half of the year, if you took all the guys at their positions from it, because Buxton is always great defensively. Yep. But, but offensively, he was amongst the worst. And the last half of the year, he didn't go to well. He went, because we all said if he just was average, that'd be good. No, he was like one of the best. Mm-hmm. And Polanco was even better. And so everyone assumes that these two young guys are going to continue that this year. And I'm going to say on Byron Buxton, we've seen it before. I need to see it again. Okay. To me, a critical thing for Buxton is, and, and I, there's no real, you know, everyone talks, if Buxton starts the, the first series of the year, and he starts 0 for 12 with six strikeouts like he's done the past couple of years. I want to see Buxton that first series go like 6 for 12 mm-hmm. and just get comfortable. That doesn't mean he won't have a slump later in the year. But if he starts like he has a couple of years and he starts, you know, where he's he's 3 for 50, which we've seen. Yeah. He, he, I want him to have a hot start. I think a hot start for him would be so because he would relax. Yeah. He's obviously a guy that has all the ability and he's shown spurts. But, boy, when he goes into a slump, it can get really terrible. And yeah. and I want him to – the opening day, if he goes three for four, that would be huge for Byron Buxton, I think. You know you know what I think? You know why I think he's going to be fine? I think the biggest difference and the biggest adjustment that he made last year was he made some changes to his batting stance. He started to open up a little bit more. He he started to relax his bat on his shoulder a little bit more to where he wasn't, he wasn't all handsy in his batting stance, and he got rid of that stupid – high leg kick that he was doing when he got ready to when he got ready to swing. The moment he made all of those adjustments was when he when when he took off and started really hitting well last year. And you know And I, I think he's figured out now that that's the right approach to have at the plate and I think it's gonna help him. But you'll get you know Rosario after really having kind of a, a subpar uh sixteen had a great seventeen for him. Mm-hmm. Uh you know and, and went from being a knucklehead to actually looking more like a professional hitter. That seems sustainable to me because the guy's a lot of talent. You know, a guy that, that could take a step up for them is Max Kepler because Max Kepler is very up and down. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of ability, though, too. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I'm bullish on the Twins. and They're, they're playing a really crappy division. Uh, with You know, Cleveland is great. Cleveland's, Cleveland and Houston are the class of the American League, no question. Well, and the Yankees and, and Red Sox, I suppose, mm-hmm. too. But, but, you know, you look at the Twins and, and you say that, and I don't know what you thought, Manny. You know, now they're and – I went and I looked at the free agent tracker. There's still, like – you know, there's still the two pitchers out there. Well, Cobb and Arietta and the other guy, it was at Lance Lynn. Yeah, I mean, there's still a couple of big free agents out there. Most free agents have signed now. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to those guys. You know, it would be nice to get one of those guys if they could. I don't know if that's going to happen. But but I do think that what these guys, Falvey and Levine, are doing, uh, they seem to know what they're doing, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. And you saw it last year as well. And but So I'm bullish on them, but I'm just saying, don't be so sure. Baseball especially... 82 games, I mean, 162 games, you know, things can happen. You know, the Twins got off to a really good start last year. That helped them. They need to do that again. You know, and and where are they from a leadership standpoint in the clubhouse? I don't know, but we'll see. I mean, you know, and 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 missing Irvin Santana for the first five, four or five weeks gonna isn't going gonna to be helpful either. 
it was funny to me when I, I read the story that came out in spring training this week about Irvin Santana saying, you know, that and and I and I don't think he's making an excuse because we all watch the game, the Yankees game. Mm-hmm. They get up 3-0, and then, you you know, and today when you watch a baseball game, you know, with the center field camera, you really get a, a feel for how the pitch is throwing. And I watch Irvin Santana pitch all year. And he had, he has games where he got lit up a couple times. That's that's happened. It happens to any pitcher. But for the most part, he was really good. And yeah. he's really, really – and he you watch that game, and he could not throw a slider, which yeah. is his – he could not do it. And I thought he was choking, and maybe he was. But but he is saying no, I wasn't choking. He says I couldn't throw it because my finger hurt, which he then had the surgery mm-hmm. on. And I tend to believe him that that yeah. you know. And and if that's the case, then what's going on with Minnesota? You have the the Wolves finally going to make the playoffs. Jimmy Butler gets hurt. <laughs> Go for basketball looks primed to to contend for the Big Ten championship for the first time in twenty years. Uh, and you know they lose Lynch, they lose Curry, they lose the, the, the you know. And and you know they, they have a chance. They they get spotted three runs to the Yankees with their best pitcher on the mound, Irvin Santana, and his finger hurts and he can't throw a slider. And the game's over, which is basically what happened, right? Uh, you know, we'll see it, but but I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the thought is about whether or not there's collusion. I I, I don't know if the, I, I tend to think there is, but you know, Arietta's at that at that age where, you know, and he's 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 trending downward. Yeah, you know, he really is. I mean, I, I wouldn't I throw just, a lot of money at him, and I'm I'm yeah. one of the people that think I, I think I'm kind of glad the Twins didn't get you, Darvish. I really am. I'm not I'm not bent out of shape about not getting him at all. Like, I, and anybody that saw that Royce did the piece on. This week, I'm on on the Twins drafting of pitchers, and and to me, the number one thing that you need in football, the, the number one most valuable person in football, is somebody that can spot a quarterback, right? And and yep. I think D. Filippo has a track record of appearing that he can do that. Uh, the number one thing in baseball is being able to draft and develop pitchers, and who's been the best at that over the years? It's been the Cardinals. Now you know the Cardinals didn't have a good year last year, but but you look at for 20 years, the Cardinals have been have been highly competitive in 15 of those years because they they can identify and develop pitchers. And so at the end of the day, that's where Falvey and Levine are going to be judged. That's why I wouldn't mind getting Lance Lynn, but that might just be me. Yeah, well, no, I would be nice to, <laughs> nice to see him get it. And you know what? You know, you say, oh, can they? how could they beat the Yankees? How could they beat the Indians? Well, things happen. And the Twins do have a – should score a lot of runs. But, but, but I'm just saying there's this real perception – that what happened last year is always going to get better. Well, you know, I don't know. Last year a lot went right for the Twins, and I hope it does again. I could see them winning 90 games. You know, I, we'll see. I don't I, see them beating, beating the Indians, but but I could see them getting, you know, they, they're probably going to have to go the wild card route again. But, but may, you know, but that's okay. One game, you win it, and then you're in the playoffs. I think the biggest X factor for this team, I mean, obviously they got we got to figure out how the pitching is going to be with, oh, Barrios with too. Irv, yeah, and Barrios, but the third baseman. Yep. It's 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 time. I mean, and you know, obviously he's getting investigated for that situation and that came up in the off season, and we don't know if he's going to be suspended or not. I don't know, but but let's face he, it, he, he's he the worst. It, he's it's gonna, time. It is. For him. Hey, what's he going to be suspended? The worst. Ten games. I heard thirty. Did you really? Yeah. Has baseball ever done that? I don't. What happened don't, to Araldis Chapman? Was he suspended thirty games? Chapman, I think, got thirty, didn't he? Did he? Well, if he did, then that. that but even if it's thirty games, but the but only none, problem is, if it's thirty games, he'll, all he'll do is eat during those thirty days. Yeah, well, and that's 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 my biggest concern if he has to sit out. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 time for him. It like, is. It's saying he. It's it's time for him to start taking this whole thing seriously and getting in shape and really taking his craft seriously and but I'm telling just you what, be adequate at third base. But I'm, I'm saying this. I don't care how old a guy is. Uh, Byron Buxton has taken his job seriously from day one. Yeah. Right? He struggled, but not because he hasn't taken his job seriously. Right? 
The, the two two big names in this town do not really appear to take their job seriously. I'm sorry. Is Andrew Wiggins and and Sano. And guys that don't take their job seriously aren't likely the switch isn't likely to turn on. It just it's so rare that that I see so many of the same now one, Sano has, has performed better than Wiggins and but but they have the similar problems. But you know they can be better. And they they you don't they, they can don't be better. And and I don't see guys like that in the history of major sports doing that. Okay, and then you give on top of that, you give Wiggins uh, enough money for the rest of his life, and then you think he's going to, you know, Glenn Taylor has he didn't do it when he was fighting for the contract. You think he's going to do it once he gets it? I, I don't think so. And the, the fact that Sano's not doing it when he hasn't made any money yet, real money by sports standards, mm-hmm. uh, it is, it is, it's, it's a major concern. I will take a break. Come back, hockey half hour. You've heard, you've read about it. I'm, I get to experience myself with Jess Myers here on 1500 ESPN. Give us 30 minutes, and we'll give you everything Cubs. What is uh, slashing? Slashing is like that. Jess Myers now joins the ride with Royce for this edition of the Hockey Half Hour. Jess Myers uh, is with us for the Hockey Half Hour, and it's a good time given the fact that uh, Gopher Hockey is about to head into the Big Ten playoffs and probably the NCAA tournament, and he's going to explain that to me. I know it's the pairwise, but we'll talk about that. But on first, the road, how about that for a shock, though? Yeah, having, having to go on the road for the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, Who's I mean, where did they finish in the Big Ten? Fifth? They finished fifth. Yeah, in out a of seven six. team. In a or seven, 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 seven. This is the league. first year that they haven't won it, right? This is like the first the, time the in six season. years that they haven't won their conference title. They had won uh, two WCHA titles and four Big Ten titles we'll, in a row. And we'll get back to, them, but I want to start with your Minnesota Wild, uh, and I would just say this: last year. The Minnesota Wild had an incredible first half of the year, maybe first 60% of the year, maybe yes. first 70% of the year. And the last 30% wasn't so good. Right. And they limped got into in, a swoon in March. They limped, is, they limped into the playoffs yeah. and then got stoned by Jake Allen, who did not look similar to that when we saw him last night. Uh, or was it last night? Yeah, when the first period he gave up three goals, including one in which he slid so far out of the crease, I could have scored the goal. Sure, uh, it was horrible goaltending. So you know that happened. He thought it was a soccer net. Give yeah, up it right. looked like it didn't. You know the yeah. the, the Granlin goal. Yeah, he had slid so far out of the net that you know Granlin could have. Granlin made a phenomenal play, but I think Granlin could have taken the puck, set off it down, his and gut off the shaft of his stick. Yeah, he could have let it hit the ice and ta- and 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 had a cigarette and put it into the net. It was so open, but but. But now this team really struggled early in the year, largely because of injuries. And and I think Parisi coming back, even though he's not the same, Parisi helps, gives him some depth. He's still a good player. You know, they've, they've pretty much got everybody back now, uh, and they're really playing well. Absolutely. And, and now they look like they might be a serious threat to do some damage in the playoffs. What's your thoughts after watching them play? You know, now they're now – they're, and the way I do it is I never look at points, Jess. This is how I look at hockey standings. Wins over losses. The 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 one point freebies just throw them out. Generally, to make the playoffs in the West, you got to be fourteen to fifteen more wins than losses. Yes. And right now, the Wild are fifteen, and and uh, Winnipeg is twenty, and Dallas is thirteen, and the last spot is ten. So they're really solid in the playoffs, and they got a shot to catch Winnipeg if they keep winning, which would be big because that's probably who they'll play in the first round, and they'd have home ice. So my first question is, why are they playing so well, and is it sustainable? I think it's sustainable just because they found some line combinations that click. And what I love about Boudreaux is he's always searching for chemistry. If they get down in the second period, he's switching up his lines, he's moving stuff around, and they've found some stuff. You know, we talked about it a little bit off air. Granlin, whoever you seem to put him with right now, it just seems to work for him. And the way Eric Stahl is playing, Last year, okay, start of last year, you got Eric Stahl, who at one time was a huge name. I believe he was a second overall draft pick. Um, you know, did great stuff in Carolina.
Carolina, won a Stanley Cup there. They got Eric Stahl last year, and everybody said, oh, he's got nothing left in the tank. You know, it's 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 too late for him. Eric Stahl started last year like a house of fire, and everybody said, okay, you, you underestimated Eric Stahl. And then there was just this slow, gradual drop-off, and then the storyline becomes, okay, he's too old. He can't sustain it for a full season. Eric Stahl's back, guys. I mean, you know, and, and take away the fact that there was a hat trick last night. This guy is an emotional leader of this yes, team. Yes, he is. And that's, that's what's fun to see. Well, um, hasn't that been something that has been missing on this team that they've always said? Because Parisi, Parisi would seem to me to be a leader. Suter kind of a, doesn't seem to really be a leader. Uh, and there's always been talk about leadership. I don't know what that means. But, what, but, what is Miko Koivu? He wears the C on his jersey. Is he, but is he the guy that's going to stand I, I don't up and know kick the garbage everyone, can? Everybody always says he's not. I don't know. I don't. I'm not in the in the room. You you're he, in the room sometimes. He plays the captain role this way. He's the guy you can go to after a tough loss, and he will stand up for the team and he will answer questions. He knows that's part of his role with the media is to stand up and be the go to guy. But I have always questioned, and and I like Miko. I really do. I mean, I respect the fact that he is that guy, that he's not going to, you know, stomp out of the locker room and not talk to people after games. But I've always wondered if this isn't truly Zach Parisi's team, or maybe now this is truly Eric Stahl's team. You know, that's the guy that people look to to light the fire when when you need that extra boost. Well, and am I right? Parisi won a, won a Stanley Cup in New Jersey or not? Or are they losing the finals? He lost in the finals. So, so, the, final only, so the only guy on this team that's won a Stanley Cup is Eric Stahl. Yeah. Is that right? That's correct. So there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. And, and he's playing great. And yeah. and, he, and he, I'm surprised. How, he's a big guy, too. He's yeah. He's a big, strong player, and he doesn't look old when he plays. No, no, absolutely he, he, not. So, so is it sustainable? We'll see. Uh, no, let's talk a little bit about Winnipeg because that's probably who they're going to play oh, in the first goodness. round. Now, how have they done against Winnipeg this year? One and two, maybe. I'm yep, trying to remember. Yep, pretty I'm, even with Winnipeg, and and you know, great hard fought games. Corzo, you have been in the stands at Target Field or at the Metrodome when the Blue Jays are in town, have you not? Yes. When it's a good forty percent Canadian fans yep. there. Just strap yourself in if we get a playoff series against Winnipeg, especially in the first round, especially with two teams that have true expectations. You know, the Wild are, you know, always seem to have expectations. And Winnipeg has kind of bided their time and put together this young team with a lot of, you know, Kyle Connor, who is a star at Michigan, who goes up to Winnipeg and all of a sudden is a first line guy, which everybody knew he would be. Patrick Laine, who was the second overall pick, uh, you know, behind Austin Matthews, who's, you know, a Swedish guy and is done amazing things and now they go out and add Paul Stastny right at the deadline Um, you know so that's kind of a we're into this thing we're all in we're not satisfied to just make the playoffs anymore they want to get to the second third round you know see what they can do in Winnipeg how much fun would that be when you've got when you've got a team that's within driving distance you know you can get to Winnipeg in probably seven hours uh, and don't kid yourself any available tickets on the street in St. Paul are going to be snapped up by fans in red, white, and blue. This is going to be a fun series if that's the way it works I will it works say out. this, too. Winnipeg, this is goofy, but my favorite jersey of, in all of sports is the Detroit Red Wings. My, one of my second favorite in all of sports is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because they're just, and I love the Winnipeg Jets is right up there. Yeah, they did a nice job. I mean, I... It, you know, but so is, is can the Wild beat them in the, in the playoffs? I, I think suppose, they. I, I think well, they absolutely well, and can. I think Winnipeg will feel some pressure because this oh, is their. Because sure. I think the Wild last year were were almost having that great regular season put a lot of the, the Wild seemed burdened by the whole weight of it. That's what it looked like to me in the playoffs. They just seemed burdened, 
And this year, maybe, you know, because they had such a lousy first half of the year and everyone in town was talking about the Vikings and they're talking about the Wolves and they're talking about, oh, the Gopher basketball team is going to be great. No one was really paying any attention to the Wild when they were playing crappy. Right. And everyone thought, oh, well, maybe they'll leak in. They're not. And now they're playing really well. And they've kind of like snuck up on those of us that are not huge hockey fans. And the timing is perfect, too. It is. Viking season's over. The Super Bowl hype is over. Go for basketball. Went away. The Wolves, you know, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs, but everybody still doesn't really know what they have there, especially now with Jimmy Butler with the injury and all that. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. The Wild are here, and they're pretty good. And, you know, getting hot, like you say, at exactly the right time. I'm the one who always crunches the odds, and, and you know, and I drive people in the press box crazy with this because I always want to see the numbers. They're at a 95% chance to make the playoffs right now. And we're at the point with this surge that they've had. If you play 500 hockey, you're going to get into the playoffs. Now, they want to do better than that because they like having home ice. Granted, it hasn't worked out for them. The two times in franchise history they've had home ice, excuse me, three times in a playoff series, they've lost all three and and have only won a couple of home games in those playoff series. So um, that is maybe, you know, overblown, maybe overrated because they've gone on the road in one playoff series. And it would seem to me just as an outsider that even though Vegas is having a great season, the Wild have beat them twice, but at home, play them one more time. That if the Wild slipped into that first wild card spot and flipped over to the other side and played Vegas in the first round and then would play either San Jose or uh, Anaheim in the second round, that might be an easier path than what they face if they stay in this division and have to play Winnipeg. And if they win that, then play Nashville. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Nashville is the team that still scares. Oh, they're the best in the team in the West. Yeah. And you know, I love too the fact that at the trade deadline we saw stuff like David Poyle, the the Nashville GM, who I think is one of the true brilliant guys in hockey. You know, making moves just to keep guys away from Winnipeg. He didn't necessarily have a use for him, but he's picking up players just to kind of stockpile and keep them away. You know, that kind of jockeying, that kind of thinking, you know, three moves down the road, I just kind of love. But, uh, you know, the Wild stayed pat on the deadline, and I kind of figured they would. Number one, they don't have a lot of cap space. Number two, we've seen Chuck Fletcher make a couple of moves at the deadline that have blown up in Correct. his face. last year. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if when they picked up Martin Hansel and the other guy, the long-haired guy. Yeah. Uh, Hall, was that his name? Yes. Okay, wow. I can't believe I remember that. But they, that's kind of when they fell apart. It right. might have been coincidental. It might not have been causation. Lawyers yeah, I mean, you, you know, you but can't... But it didn't help. You can't blame all that on no, one guy no. coming there and, you know, and, and, and kind of upsetting the chemistry. But you're absolutely right. You know, and, and go back to when he was a kind of a rookie GM, The you know, the... The unloading Nick Letty at the deadline, which people still talk about, is probably his worst trade ever and, and, and definitely the worst trade in franchise history. And I can still remember the the, the playoff run the North Stars went on when Steve Kristoff was a rookie. You remember that? No, oh, absolutely. He like said it in, in, and last year Jake Gensel brought a great juice to the to the to the uh uh Penguins. You know, maybe Coonan does that here or Erickson Eck does it here. You bring a young guy up and maybe they find they all called of a sudden, up they called up Luke Cunning for this little trip yep. they've got and Cunning, yep. Yeah, and you know, a lot of pressure on a kid like him, but you know, he seems to relish that role. He played yeah. that role at Wisconsin on some not very good hockey teams at Wisconsin where he was the go-to guy. He likes being the spotlight guy. So, you know, this is not a shrinking violent who you're going to put on the fourth line and he's going to be content to play that role. He's going to want more minutes, and we've seen flashes of what he can do when he was up earlier this year. I think Kenny wants to go home, so I'm going to go to traffic now and let him get out of here, and then we'll come back. I always want Kenny and, to go and home. Then, yeah, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little uh, Gophers and War Road and maybe U.S. women's hockey when we come back on the Hockey Half Hour with Jess Myers.
This is the Ride with Roycey. Makes you happier, healthier, more intelligent, and honest, according to new research. Oh, Roycey, you're I, in luck. I wouldn't argue with that. <laughs> on 1500 ESPN. Getting you caught up on the week in pucks. It's the Hockey Half Hour with Jess Myers. Combination that requires the highest level of conditioning, speed, creativity. On the Ride with Roycey. All right, Jess, you were saying before the break you wanted to talk a little high school puck. We just had the the girls just finished. And when do the boys? Not this weekend, but the next weekend? Next weekend. So not this weekend. So a week from today week, it'll start. A week from today will be the Class A uh, tournament at XL Energy Center. i got to ask you, have you heard of a kid named Jamie Warwick? No. You haven't heard of him before. I'll tell you why you haven't. Well, I, I wouldn't, he, If he's a high school hockey player, I wouldn't have heard he, of him. Even, he even plays like. for Simley High School. Now, uh, in full disclosure, they've got a defenseman, number 28, Jacob Myers, who also plays there, my son. Two years ago, Simley won six games with a with a new coach. You know, thought, where's this program going? Last year, they bounced back. They won four games last year. Everybody thought, oh, boy, we might have trouble here. You know, what's this team going to do? Last night, Simley won its 19th game of the season. They uh, have had the best regular season in the history of their program. They were seated third in their playoffs. They upset South St. Paul last night in two overtimes, one nothing. And I bring up Jamie Warwick because he scored the uh, the winning goal. They're going up against Matamidi for the section championship. Just an incredible comeback story. And again, full disclosure, That's I'm okay. very close to it because my kids in this program, and you know, I've watched these guys since they learned to skate. But just one of those. Fun stories that makes high school hockey so fantastic. So if they beat South St. Paul, they beat South St. Paul. The Packers, is that right? The Packers, who used to be in the and I mean, who used to be in the state tournament when I was a kid all the time, right? Isn't that am I right? Absolutely. When like in the seventies, when I would watch it, when it was just an eight-team tournament, and I watched it as a kid. They may still South St. Paul, you know, great program, story program, may still hold the record for most. Uh, state tournament appearances. You go into the Wakota Arena, or now called Doug Woog Arena, which they changed the name a couple years ago. The banners they have hanging from the ceiling of every year they've been in the state tournament is a stunning. And so this game will be when Saturday, Friday night they play. Friday in, night in, and in the winner Roseville. goes to the, to the state goes to tournament. State tournament. I'm just incredible to think a team that won four games last year and now can you know, they do it? Can they beat South St. Paul? Or South St. Paul pretty good. Yeah, they beat South St. Paul last night. They have to play Matamita. Oh, Matamita. They yep. beat South St. Paul, so now they play Matamita. And uh, Matamita, all the rich kids, man, played in know? the regular season. Uh, Matamida won four to two, so uh, a good hockey game. You would think. Am I right? The rich, the rich areas. Oh, are, absolutely. Matamida is a rich area. I've, yeah. I've been out there, man. Matamida is lovely. Yeah, yeah it's right beautiful. On, on the kind of the East Shore, White Bear Lake. There, some some lovely areas. Great facilities at their school, and you know, and a great yep. a great sports program. Not just a hockey program. Right. They've got great football. They've got lacrosse that's fantastic. Their gymnasts are you know some of All the best. All the rich in the kids' state. sports, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. They've that's got okay. Some good basketball teams there too. The yeah, squash. Do they play squash? Do we know polo? How is their polo team? Well, lacrosse. There you go. So, so, so they got a shot. Is yeah. what you're saying. But, uh, but tonight, even you know, it starts tonight. Now, I always tell people this. I have friends from Virginia and New York City and California who say, "I've got to come to Minnesota. I've got to see the state hockey tournament." You said the section championships are big absolutely. Time. And, there's uh, not know, very many and the people state there. tournament is fantastic. Don't it get is. me wrong. When you you know at 11 a.m. next Thursday, when there's 17,000 people watching a high school hockey game. On a Thursday, that's a pretty cool deal. But I always tell people, come a week earlier and go see four or five section championship games because the hockey is incredible and the stakes are higher. Frankly, yeah, now, you know, if if you're if you make it to the state tournament and you lose two games and it's done, you will stay say right. for the rest of your life, I made it to the state tournament. Absolutely. I got to play on that stage. If you're in a section championship game and you lose, you know, it's got to be the most devastating thing ever. And on the other side, it's the greatest thrill of their lives. So you see 
the oh. two extremes and in the you're section playing teams that you probably have rivals rivalries with because they're from your as, area. As somebody who covered a Rozo Moorhead section championship oh, game at the Little Ralph, the Little Ralph Ingolstadt in, Arena in, in Thief River, River Falls, Falls yeah. yes, it was an environment unlike anything. I've ever been a part of before. Well, a it couple, a couple of them tonight already. Uh, Edina Wyzetta at Mariucci Arena, six o'clock, and then the second half they always do a doubleheader. It's fantastic. Minnetonka Holy Family. That's at eight o'clock at and Mariucci, that, and they'll be where where Mariucci seats nine thousand, yep. right? Ten thousand. There'll be three thousand there, right? No, the, in the third period of the first game, it'll be seventy percent. Okay, but you can get a ticket. You can walk oh, up. Yeah. You can get they're, a ticket. They're you probably inexpensive. You know, bands are playing. You what got are the, the, what are the tickets? Ten bucks, something like that. Probably I think probably ten, twelve dollars. Yeah, so you can walk, you can just walk in. It's you know, where this where the state tournament's a little more difficult. It's a little more of an, of an effort. Yeah, that is good how, stuff. And then, how about this? Uh, a and then when does you guys play? When does your team kids? That's play? that's uh, Friday night. And where's that? At? That's in Roseville. Okay. And the, but you've got them all over the state. You know, Amsoil Arena up in Duluth tonight. Uh, Greenway Hermantown. You know, couple of great programs. All right, uh, before yeah. before I let you go, uh, go for hockey. Yeah. Okay. Go for hockey. Uh, get swept. And, and it's to me, it's embarrassing when you're the Gophers and you're getting beat up by this upstart Penn State team. I mean, they, I'm sorry, that's embarrassing. Am I right? Am I wrong? How can how can the go? It's like Gophers. It's like it's like the Gophers football team embarrassing Penn State football. That's embarrassing, right? If you're Penn State, well, it's embarrassing you, for them, right? I'm but, saying it's embarrassing for Minnesota to get handed get it handed to you by Penn State. Come on, they got it handed to them. This was a real shock because they've been playing really good defensive hockey, and they go out to Penn State and they give up ten goals in two games. Yeah, it was I mean, terrible. That, that was the shocking part. Now, with that said, so even if the Gophers lose to Penn State, they'll probably still be in the tournament, right? They they have a ninety seven percent chance of making the tournament, the even if they lose two games this weekend, because they've done the work early in the season. They've won the big games they needed to win. Um, they're still in a very good position to make the NCAA tournament. So this new Big Ten tournament, it's no longer one site. Now you go to the they, the Gophers go to Penn State and play two out of three. Yes. And out of that, then there'll be four teams that'll be left because the top two get a bye. Is that right? The, the the bottom six teams. No, the top one gets a bye. Okay. That's Notre Dame. Bottom you six know, teams. Their first year in the Big Ten, Notre Dame runs away with it. So they, they had get, it clinched them. So month the bottom ago. six cut it down to three, and then the, the last four teams all go where? They will play each other then. You know, no, uh, Notre Dame, who's the top seed, will play the lowest remaining seed, and then the other two will play at each other. At local sites or at, a, at, at, at campus sites? So they've, 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 they've so given the up Gophers, having, if the they've given up having this a Big Ten tournament. Right. Because it was nobody was going to. It was disastrous. Okay. I mean, even. Even when it was in St. Paul, you had nobody went four or five thousand people there. You know, I remember and, okay. that year they had it at Joe Lewis in Detroit, and it was oh. It and was you know, terrible. I never got that because because the, the the Gophers, I know that they've kind of fallen on harder times, but are they still selling out Mariucci for their for their games? They are not. How much do they get? They're getting six, seven thousand fans. Really, a game. this is this is a big problem for Gopher sports. And Mariucci holds ten, right? Mariucci yeah. holds ten, that and used that to be was a hot ticket, man. It used to be not only a hot ticket, but it was kind of the one reliable source of income in Gopher athletics. You yeah. knew you were always going to sell out your hockey games. Couple things at work there. Number one, people have gotten complacent. You know, this these teams haven't been as exciting for whatever reason. Number two, the Wild, you know, have taken some of the the money hockey fans away. And number three, and here's my soapbox. Go for hockey. You can't charge sixty dollars a ticket for college hockey. People are not going That's to. That's my that. number one complaint. It's sixty dollars for a you ticket know, for, for the big games for the for Wisconsin, Michigan. You know, some of the big games they put the premium prices on college hockey tickets, and it just doesn't fly. Not even in the Twin Cities in a hockey rabid market like this one. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. That is that's terrible. Yeah. That's it's it's overreaching. And, well, it. 
I, I don't even have to make an editorial comment. Just look at the numbers of fans right. for a team, again, that has won the conference six years in a row when people have stopped coming. Why is that? It's not because you're not winning. It's not because you're not representing the program well. When was the last time you, you saw a scandal or anything like that among Gopher Hockey? It just doesn't happen. Don Lucia runs a good, clean program, but you have outpriced people out of this market. And then there's always the Big Ten being instead of the old WCHA oh, and all that stuff. But, you know. Get over that. I you know, agree. I but, mean, but people don't. Seriously. People how, don't. how many more? Oh, I want to play North Dakota. I miss when North Dakota came. Get over it. It's uh, oh, it, you know, That's gone. I agree. Now, before we let you go, War Road. You're from War Road. And you tweeted that, uh, you know, War Road said, tell me what you tweeted about War Road and gold medals in the there Olympics. Have, there have been four United States hockey gold medals. Two for the men, 1960, 60? 1980. And two for the women, 1998 and 2018. Three of those four, there has been uh, at least one player from Warroad, sometimes two on the team. So, and on this, so who were the, the players? Uh, 1960, you had Bill and Roger Christian, the Christian yeah. brothers. Who make know. the Christian hockey sticks, right? Who, Their who family? Be, Christian brothers hockey sticks. Are they yeah. the ones that started that? They they are the ones that started that okay. after, uh, after uh, the Do Olympics. Do they still make hockey sticks? They don't make hockey sticks in Warroad anymore. Big, big Is there empty. still a Christian brothers hockey stick, though? I think somebody owns the name yeah, still, okay. but right. but there's not a, a connection to Warroad anymore, which is which not, is disappointing. That was okay, 1960. 1980, Bill Miracle Christian's son Dave. Yep, he's on the team as well. Uh, you know, leading scorer on the team, guy who had been a forward all his life. Herb Brooks says, "I'm going to make you a defenseman." Okay, sure. You know, <laughs> winds up leading the team uh, in points uh, during the Olympics, uh, and then it, just last week, Gigi Marvin, uh, Mike and Connie Marvin's daughter from Warroad. Uh, scores one of the goals in the shootout as the uh, U.S. women. So for four gold medals for a town of about 1,800, uh, you know, Warroad pride. I'm pretty impressed by that. It is, and it started by the great Henry Boucher, right? Yeah. Wasn't he Warroad? Silver is he medalist, still up there? 1972. Is he still up there? Henry is uh, down here in the Twin Cities. Does a lot. he make a living being Henry Boucher? He does a lot of being Henry Boucher. I yeah. will say that. And, you know, and Henry's a good friend. You know, he's done some real estate and done, you know talked about making movies, all kinds of stuff. But you will see him at the state tournament. He is ever present. He's there signing autographs, and you know, a tournament legend. Forty, almost fifty well, years later. Well, one of my incredible memories was. Was it the ninth? When did they play Dine in that famous game? Was that 69? So I was, when I was a kid, because there was no ESPN, there was no all this stuff. If there was a sporting event on TV, I watched it. I didn't even care if I cared about the sport. That's why the whole 72 Olympics, I don't think I missed a minute of it. Because it was it was sports. I'm not that way now. Now I'm pretty picky about what I watch. <laughs> uh, and I got Netflix, so what the heck. But I would sit up and I would watch every high school hockey game. And I watched that Edina game. I'm sure I dozed off and maybe get, when they lost one, didn't they lose one nothing? It was a 5-4 game in five, overtime. 5-4. So, and, 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 and Edina beat him. And I was rooting for Henry Boucher, right? Warroad's down 4-2 to in the second period. Henry Boucher gets taken out of the game, you remember. you know, hard, oh, I don't remember much hard, about it. Hard hit along the boards. You know, it's it's debated endlessly. Was it an elbow? Was it not an elbow? He's out of the game. He breaks his, breaks his eardrum. Warroad, without the best player you know, in the state... Rallies to tie it four four goes to overtime. He dine and wins an overtime. I remember I was I was such Met a big, center. Yes, oh, I was a huge Henry Boucher fan. So I was yeah. and I was rooting. I as a young child, I knew enough to root against Edina. It was in my blood. <laughs> it was in my blood. And then later, when I went to Minnetonka High School, it became very easy to root against Edina. Quickly, great outdoors coming up next. That's we right. have got uh, the one of the founders of Quail Forever, a guy named Thurman Tucker. Fascinating story. Moved up here from Mississippi when he was a kid. Grew up hunting quail because that's how you ate when you were a young kid in Mississippi. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Stay tuned. The South Dakota Stories, Volume One. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. 
somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.